Hey everyone, welcome to Take a Second, a weekly Come Follow Me podcast meant to strengthen our personal connections with Jesus Christ, as well as deepen our appreciation for His role in our Heavenly Father's universal plan of salvation. I'm Brian Ricks, and Stuart Black is here with me. Thanks for joining us, and let's get into uh, let's get into this week's scripture block. Welcome back, everybody. This is uh, Take a Second for Come Follow Me, and I'm Brother Ricks, and I'm Brother Black. And we are, so this week we're doing Matthew 13 and Luke something, but it won't matter because we won't get past the parables. Um, Maybe you will in your study because you've got a whole week, but we've got 30 minutes or so, and we'll spend the whole time in Matthew 13. Um, You want to start? You bet. Um, One of the things that we did, uh, so teaching idea, and way easy with little kids, it'd be be kind of fun in a seminary class or in a... um, even in a gospel doctrine class, bring a whole bunch of different random objects. And uh, so we grabbed a couple, I grabbed a couple from my office. We asked a a few students, take an object, come up with a parable about it. Okay. Um, I got keys. And once upon a time, there was a safe and the safe had a key hole in it that needed to be opened. And so the first key was given to the person and they got inside the safe. And there was some cereal inside of that, but there was also another safe inside of the safe. And so they needed another key in order to get into that next safe. And so the second key was given to them and they got into the second safe and there was milk inside of that, um, like safe, but then there was another safe inside of that safe. And so safeception, right? And, um... (laughs) So we needed the third key in order to get into the um, third safe. And so there was a third key that was given to the person and they got into that third safe and there was a bowl and there was a spoon. And um, that is the parable of the keys and the cereal. Is there a gospel connection? (laughs) Yeah, the priesthood. So like there's the different um, levels of the priesthood and each priest, like each level of the priesthood gives certain blessings that are um like can be fine on their own but in order to use all of like unlock all of the blessings of the priesthood you have to be able to get into that last safe with that last key in order to have the bowl and the spoon in order to implement everything together so excellent love it once upon a time there was uh, a boy who had this football and he really loved playing with it Um, And he loved it, and he would play with it all day, and it was his favorite thing in the whole world. And then he had somebody move in next door, and the little boy didn't have his own football. The other boy that moved next door didn't have his own football. And he would just watch the kid play with his football all day, all day long, having a grand old time. And one day, the boy that had the football realized this other kid, he didn't have his own football. And since he loved this so much, he wanted to share it with him. And so, one, the next day, little boy with football knocked on his door. He's like, hey, I noticed you don't have this great toy, this great football, and I would like to share it with you. Do you want to play with me? And so then they went out together and played all day and were super happy. And that relates the gospel of how the gospel can bless us and bring us so much joy and happiness that we also want to share it with others. So, yeah. So I have a lion here. Um, and once upon a time, this lion was living with a sheep and it was pretty surprising because lions are typically known to eat sheep or just eat meat but 
there was a little bit of science behind it. Actually, it wasn't science. It was Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus was able to bring the lion, something that typically eats the sheep, and brings it close to the sheep. It is something so timid and just so calm. And that's how Jesus works in our lives. Uh, we're all different. Some of us are more lioness, and other people are more sheepish. And he brings us all together so that we can reside in harmony. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I have a mouse trap, and uh, thank you to Andrew Satterfield. We have a parable of the mouse trap. Um, once there was a mouse, and he was walking along, and there was a mouse trap, and it had cheese, but he just bypassed the mouse trap entirely and just went straight for the cheese and got stuck. Um, there was this other mouse, like a few days later who was walking past the same area, and he was like, mm, my buddy over here, he got stuck in a mouse trap, so I'm not going to fall for that. And as he was walking, continuing down his path, there was another mouse trap with cheese, um, but he remembered what he had seen before and decided not to go after the cheese to keep going to his destination. Um, so we can apply that into our lives and be like the second mouse and avoid um, the temptations of Satan and being trapped by his wood, like all of his stuff. The end. So I got a nice bag of sand, and if you've ever been to the beach or walked on sand, you know that it gets everywhere and anywhere. And so there's these two guys, they walked along the beach, and they one was wearing sandals, one was wearing shoes, and they get done playing, doing everything, and they both like, man, I got sand all over my feet. One guy had to like dump out his shoes, the guy's sandals was just trying to shake it off, but... They both had sand on their feet, and they were talking, what if we could make a way where we don't have sand um, get stuck? Um, but at the end of the day, they couldn't think of anything. And to me, that's a lot like our lives. No matter what we do, we're going to get sand on our feet. We're going to have um, days where we get more sand on our feet, uh, less sand on our feet, but we both all equally get sand. And the only way... Um, to realistically get the sand off our feet is to, to wash, to go take a shower or bath. And um, the way we do that um, in the gospel sense is to allow our Savior to do that for us. And as we go and um, take the time to wash ourselves, that's when we'll be clean of the sand of the world. That's one of the things. And, and as I was reading through Matthew 13, the first couple of parables are all about seeds and planting. Mm -hmm. And I had to just try and put myself in their shoes thinking, I wonder who Jesus is talking to. Yeah. And Probably it's, not Wall Street investors. <laughs> right. That, that he's using things. That the idea behind a parable is using things that are everyday natural occurrences, things that you see and interact and think about all of the time. And therefore, that parable becomes a deeper part of who you are. Mm -hmm. That the more that you can connect everyday objects and things around you to the Savior, the easier it is to think about him. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that Alma says this to Korhor, where he says, all things testify that there's a God. Well, look around. Everything can if you'll let it. And so we got different objects, a mousetrap and keys and a lion and stuff. So the teaching idea would be bring in some of these random objects, ask them to come up with a parable that teaches you something about the gospel or something about the Savior or what is something that he would teach? Because in 2023, the parable that Jesus would give might not be about sowers yeah. and fields, especially depending on where he's talking. If he's out in, you know, Aberdeen and 
Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> that would be that would be it. But if he's in New York on Wall Street, the parable that Jesus is giving is probably not going to be about planting and farming. Yeah. And exactly yeah. what that means. And he's using ways to teach people to things that they would understand and can relate and reflect on. And so to me, that's one of the big, big parts of that. But the, the first parable is uh, the parable of the sower. Um, and uh, in verse three, I'll just read through through part of this. In three, it says, he spake many things unto them in parables. So the question to be considering is why? What are you learning about Jesus from that? And, and it gives some answers in this chapter, but just consider that now. Behold, a, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell into stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others, other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And then Jesus asks the question, or his, sorry, his disciples ask Jesus the question, why do you speak unto them in parables? Mm -hmm. And I think that is a good question to ask ourselves. What are we learning about Jesus there? And as we dig in through this a little bit, I love that um, not all dirt is different. The seed is. Mm -hmm. And so as you, as you learn later on in the, in the parable, the seed's the word, mm -hmm. which means you and I are dirt. Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out what kind of dirt are we? Are yep. we sand? Are we hard? Are we soft? Are we whatever else? So that idea here, uh, uh, I'll just start with the first one. You can jump in after that. Uh, but in, in four, the wayside, um, I have a big yellow dog. He's a yellow lab, and he's big for a lab, and he's big for a dog. And uh, he walks in my backyard. He's an outside dog. He walks in my backyard. It's all fenced in, in the same spot every single day. He makes a whole loop around the whole house. And then there's one spot from the back part that he cuts back up, and we have a back deck and porch and stuff that he cuts to that. And it's one spot. And when you call him, it doesn't matter what part he's on, he will follow his track back. And and you and I have talked about hunting and deer and elk and stuff. Deer do the same thing. Yep. They have a, a track and a trail that they like, and elk do the same thing, and cattle do the same thing. A wayside would be considered like the, the outside path around a field. And so it would be the part that would be smashed down by your yellow lab walking on it every single day or the people walking on it. It's it's the hard pack around the end. Planting seeds on that, well, guess what happens to my grass in that spot my dog walks every time? It's always smashed down, and it doesn't grow as well, and that dirt is way harder. So that's one of the things that, okay, the fowls came and devoured them up because there's no root. There's no way for those seeds to go. So that's the first one. So the second one, and I, and I think – I've gotten a lot of mileage out of the talks at the end. If you get into the Come Follow Me manual, the, the, the guide for families, individuals and families, at the end of each one of these little sections, there, uh, there's often a talk that, or that's from a general authority and general conference. Uh, this week, it gives you the talk from President Oaks called The Parable of the Sower. And he, he breaks this whole parable apart. And I, for one of my teaching ideas, one of the things that I would like to do is um, he, he has a section of paragraphs for each one of these types of ground There's and, four he, types. and he yeah. gives and he gives examples of what might cause the ground to get harder what might cause the ground in this place stony places what are some of the stony places or what are what are things that cause our hearts to become stony places and i think it'd be fascinating to give that especially if you've got an older class or an older family to give a, a, each one of those in our in our discussion one of those descriptions that pre from President Oaks's talk, and then ask them to add a paragraph. 
Like you, you've got to add, everybody's got to add one paragraph or an additional explanation. What's another example of something that might cause us to become stony or, you know, or hardened or to, to allow thorns into our lives and, and so forth. But the, the next set of places, some fell upon the stony places where they had not much earth. Uh, forthwith they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth and when the sun was up they were scorched now unlike the hardy the, the hardened pack around the sides this is going to be the parts of the field where there's a lot of rocks it, it might be the field edge where we haven't put a lot i think about in here in idaho where we have a lot of uh a lot of potatoes and and some corn and and those corners of the fields where the machines can't get to maybe the edge of the field where where we've thrown rocks you know, if I'm if I'm the farmer and I'm clearing out the field, uh, I'm going to take the rocks and I'm going to throw them over the edge, and and maybe I don't get them quite out of the field, but they're over to the edge where they're not going to affect my harvest as much. So this is that place. This is the, in my head, I see it being the edge of the field where where rocks have been thrown or where they've been allowed to stay. Unlike the the hard pack place where the seeds stay on top, the seeds actually get down into at least some soil in the crevices of the rock where the birds can't come get them. And so when the water hits and the sun comes up, they grow. But because of the rocks, the roots can't go down deep. Yeah. And so what do they do? You know, what roots do develop kind of stay shallow. And as soon as the sun comes up and heats up those rocks, the first place the water leaves is that surface. And now there's no nutrients. There's nothing for them to, to keep growing. There's no, there's no support. Or, um, and so when the sun gets hottest, there's no deepness to the roots. The roots can't reach the water, and so the the plant dries up. Um, and that's I, in 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 my thought, it's it's those individuals who they hear the gospel and they're super excited, and so they jump in with both feet. But there's no thought for what's going to come. Uh, one of my favorite, one of the most influential people in my life is is a woman named Carolyn Rasmus. She was my institute teacher at back when it was UVSC. Uh, in Orem before it became UVU and and uh, it used to be UVCC. It used it, to be a community it, college. It was a community college, then a state college, and then when Matt Holland became the president, he made that University. last transition. And in fact, it started even before it was a community college, a technical college. Oh, okay. So it started out a technical college and really only focused on the trades. Mm. And then it's kind of slowly grown, and uh, it's a great university. And now you know something about Orem. There you go. Um, <laughs> but while I was there, it was a state college. Carolyn Rasmus was my institute teacher, and she's she's just one of my heroes. Um, she still lives in Orem, and she she and I still communicate every now and then and reach out. Um, but she tells a story about her joining the church. Not a member of the church. Uh, came to BYU to do her PhD, and as part of that PhD, she was doing some teaching there, and and she was warned. Don't go to BYU. They'll convert you. You'll join the church. And <laughs> and she said, no, 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 I'll be fine. And she came to BYU with no intention of joining the church, but she ends up joining the church. In fact, Elder Holland tells a story, um, I think in his talk, There Are Prophets in the Land Again, about her conversion. Sure. Well, the part he doesn't tell in that story that Sister Rasmus has shared with, with me a couple of times is that right after joining the church, she starts to have these doubts. All of a sudden, the missionaries have, you know, they've moved on to the next group, and, and she's been transferred or, you know, given over to the members, that, and, and she starts doubting, oh, no, what have I done? And a good friend of hers comes to her and says, Carolyn, what aren't you doing that you were doing when you were with the missionaries? Are you reading the scriptures like you were before? Are you saying your prayers like you were before? And, and 
it helped kind of recenter her on all of those things that helped her get her testimony in the first place. And, and that solidified her. That, that took those roots and sunk them down. I think about what would have happened had she not, had that individual not had that conversation with her, had she not returned to those basics, the scriptures, the prayer, et cetera. Um, you know, those roots would have maybe have stayed, stayed shallow and maybe she doesn't stick around. Maybe she, she goes back to spiritually where she was before she met the missionaries. So uh, you think about, you know, what do I do to become a stony place? How do I get my roots to go really deep? But what are those things that we do that, that help us fill the spirit? What are those things? The spirit, in, in my mind, I just see the spirit as being that which offers nutrients. That It's the water. It's the, it's the food. So what do I do to connect with that? Yeah. And, and make sure that those roots are going deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I was <clears throat> in high school. I, I cut sod and laid sod. I, a friend of mine owns a sod company. His family did. And one of the things that we did in one springtime was they had a, a kind of like a uh, some type of utility, but that they pulled behind their tractor that was supposed to help disc up the earth, but not just disc it up. It was supposed to help bring the rocks up. And then it was supposed to grab and collect all of these big river rocks. Cause it was out in uh, Burton outside of, of Rexburg. And, uh, one of, one of the days we had like five gallon buckets and whatever the tractor missed, which was almost every rock, we had to fill up in five-gallon buckets and then run them back and forth to the boss who was just driving the tractor. And it was one of my least favorite days working. Oh, I'm like – and I'm, I'm not a very big person, but we had to run just back and forth collecting and piling up river rocks in five-gallon buckets, dumping them and getting out there. And, and I just thought, looking through all of these – That sounds awful. It was, yeah. And, but think of the character I built. That's what my dad and mom would try and tell me. They're like, you move pipe, why? Because you build character. That's what you do. People who have never moved pipe don't have any character. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I – Or they found better really ways yeah. to build it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but this idea that all of this – all of the, the ground here, all of the dirt, it all has the potential. Some of the things are you have to remove it out. And so what would be the stones? What is blocking me from getting my roots down deeper? What are the rocks I really need to pull out? And, and to me, the rock part and the thorns part, it, it kind of relates to, um, to there are similar things that have to be removed out of the way. Because in the next one, uh, and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up, up and choked them out. And um, Thorns to me, could, they're distractions. There's other things that in the way that are stealing my light and stealing my, my water, my nutrients. And so I need to go through in my life and I need to pull all those things out. But then I also need to remove the rocks to make sure that my roots can actually go down deeper. And so that, that story, and and obviously we didn't get all the rocks because you just can't. And Mm -hmm. people who farm understand that you'll never get all of the rocks. But when we would get these big pieces of sod, they'd come up on the conveyor belt and we'd catch them. And, and we did slabs, not the rolls. And um, anyways, as it would come up, if there was a river rock in there, the piece didn't hold together, and the, the grass in the middle of it, it, the roots really weren't as deep. And so from the surface, because they watered it a lot because it was their livelihood, and you're like, from the top, it looks good. Upon deeper inspection, you realize, like, if I had pulled out this rock earlier, this grass would have been better, and it would have kept this whole piece together, this whole section together. And, and I, I thought that was – I mean, as you are talking, like, I had forgotten about that experience. But to me, that, that really reinforces that idea of I need to get rocks out of my life. And frankly, we need to get the thorns, the, yep. the distractions out as well. Well, and even with the, with the hard ground, the, the one thing – you know, the, the one difference between four, five and six, seven and eight is that 
good ground has been prepared. Like there is there is no good ground that's just good ground. Mm-hmm. Like we we've moved out onto this, you know, that place where we're building. We've it's it used to be years and years and years ago it used to be a field that was farmed and so it's nice and flat and it 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 waters well. I can I can irrigate it if I, I can flood irrigate it if I want. Um, but guess what? As I'm out there and we're we're getting ready to plant some pasture grass, we're hitting rocks. So guess what, my kids? I don't know if my kids will listen to this, but guess what you're gonna do this spring? <laughs> Five gallon buckets. <laughs> and you and I had now I've got an idea. I'm just gonna get on the four wheeler and just go. So you have to run back. Um, but no, I we're gonna have to move the rocks. Good. There is no such. There's no piece of property that's just good ground. It's always been prepared. It's always good ground because someone has worked it over. And and similarly, I I think sometimes I was teaching my seminary class over at Highland, and, and one of the girls, I said, what are the gifts that you envy of other people? And one girl said, I just envy people who just believe, who don't have any trouble believing. And I, and I think sometimes, and, and there are certainly those, Doctrine and Covenants makes it clear, there are those that have the gift to believe. Um. But I think other times we may look at people who believe, and if we're not careful, we may assume, or, or verse 8, they have good ground, and, and the, the word just grows up. And, and they came that way. Them and they're like, wow, how cool would that be if I was like them? Well, if you want to be like them, remove the rocks, fertilize the ground, dig up the weeds, you know, remove the distractions, get those obstacles out of your life, and watch what happens to the word when you plant it then. Um. And, and it, that, that to me, as you talk about this, it's, it's all about the preparation. W- what are we doing? Yeah, I, I love that idea. And, and I also lo- love this one. Um, Brother Webb, he's the administrator of seminary and institutes. He, he mentioned this as they changed a couple of requirements for seminary graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he mentioned this idea, other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some 100-fold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. He said, well, bring forth different amounts mm-hmm. and different things. And it's good that you bring it forth. I used to, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I only want to be the hundred yeah. ground. And and th- that idea in in verse 23. So Jesus doesn't always interpret every parable. This is one that he this does. Is, yep. So this is one that, as you read through it, you you can see the answer to, okay, yep. what is Jesus trying to get in this moment? To yeah. Them? So the parable before you yeah, go ahead, go the ahead. The parable of the sower is actually a is in a kind of a class unto itself. There's very few parables that are A, explained by Jesus himself, and B, that are found in all three Gospels. Yep. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke all put this parable in, and Jesus gives his own interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and part of that interpretation is in 23. He's talking about the good ground now. Um, and he says, But he that received seed unto the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And and I love the idea that Jesus is saying that religion is not about getting, it's about giving. Mm-hmm. That the if you are the dirt, this dirt gives something again. Mm-hmm. It brings forth the fruit. It's not about like, oh, I got the seed or I didn't get the seed. To me, that was two ways to look at this. I got to get it, but that's not it. It doesn't it's, stop there. It does not stop there. True religion, true faith, true testimony. I now give that and share it. And based on what I've been able to, to get, my yield is a hundredfold or 60-fold or 30-fold. You and I and every other person who's listening to this podcast or anything else, we've all been taught something. Our, our learning is not very original. Somebody has taught us, certainly the Spirit, 
and we are a culmination of all of those things, and therefore it's about spreading it again and about making sure that, that true faith and true testimony is going to other people as well and sharing the, the blessings of that. Yeah. Well, and the one thing I wanted to point out is, is similarly the, the fact that all four different types of ground receive the seed. Mm-hmm. It's not receiving the seed that makes a difference. What makes a difference in verse 23 is he that heareth it and understandeth it. And Matthew makes a big deal. He, he makes a big deal about hearing and understanding. And, and it's doing. both. Yeah. Like yeah. you have to do both in order to bring forth any kind of fruit. Yeah. Love that. Um, and, and so I, I, you know, in terms of application of, of this story, I think this is a, a good time as you're reading it personally uh, with your family, figuring out what are the thorns? What are what are the persecutions or the difficulties that we're going to face? Because that's one of the things that Jesus says he, uh, in 21. He says, when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, because you got the seed, you are going to face challenges. You are. Like, like your teacher down at uh, UBSC, that you are going to have to figure out how am I going to last. And to me, that leads really well into the next parable. But just take some time as you're reading through these. The idea of parables is it applies on lots of different levels. Mm-hmm. If you have ears to hear, you're going to hear it wherever you're at in your life. Mm-hmm. So do you want to jump into the next one or go to one of the little um, ones? I, I think what we – so first, let's just pause really quick and just say you need to go to if, – if you don't in any other in any other week, you need to go to the Come, Follow Me manual. And there's a link to the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, and it lays out in that link, if you scroll down a little bit – the prophet Joseph Smith walks through each of these parables and points out from his perspective, one way to look at these is to put them in line and see the restoration of the gospel. Yep. Yep. And, and it's, and so I don't know that we need to go over that because it's, it is right there at your hands. You in the, you can go to the gospel library app, open up this week and then scroll down a little bit and you'll see where it, it mentions Joseph Smith. Click on the link in there. And it'll take you right to uh, the chapter and the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. And you can review that. And I think it, it gives a great overview of all of them. Uh, maybe And so maybe we don't need to jump into the that side of things, but just anything that you enjoy specific. I, as time runs short, I don't want to take a whole bunch of time. But right. um, I, I really like the uh, parable of the, of the um, leaven because it stands – the prophet Joseph Smith's view is, is it's so different from how we usually look at leaven. Later on, the, the Lord's going to say, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, yeah. depending on the parable. It's awesome. And you need to be able to, you need to be aware of that. I just have typically had a knee-jerk reaction often to say, oh, leaven's bad. But in this parable, it's in verse 33, it says, Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. And Joseph's connection is to the three witnesses. And specifically, the three witnesses and their witness or testimony of the Book of Mormon and how that has spread to all the world. Uh, and one of my favorite things to talk about when it comes to the three witnesses is so many, you know, Martin Harris, Oliver Cowdery, and, and Whitmer, they all go different directions. Um, and yet the one thing that's constant, especially with the wit, with, with Whitmer, David. is he leaves the church and completely loses confidence in the prophet Joseph Smith. But the one thing he never backs away from, even speaking to it in a courtroom at the end of his life and to a newspaper reporter and holding to his testimony of the Book of Mormon, it's it's one of those things that, in my mind, adds a really irrefutable uh, 
stamp of approval or, or authentication to the Book of Mormon and to the witness that, of those three men is that David had his opportunity to say and to disavow everything and doesn't. And so, can I say one quick thing about yeah. David Wimmer that I love? Uh-huh. He lives in Missouri. That's where he dies and lives, and he never moves away. And so he's in the middle of all of the persecution more than everybody else, and he lives longer than everybody else, the other two witnesses. He has the chance then for more of his life to refute or to be pressured by all the antis around him, and he doesn't. That, that to me, is another one of those big witnesses of that. It's just, yeah, and, and that, that goes out through the whole world. And, and so what is it that the leaven of those three, the three Nephites, or the, sorry, the three Nephites, yeah. wow, that's a little change. The three witnesses... And their testimony of the Book of Mormon is that Book of Mormon is flooding the earth like President Benson prophesied that it would. Their their testimony is one of those things that holds up the Book of Mormon and its and its legitimacy. Yeah. Um, for me, just a, a closing thought. I love the parable of the uh, of the wheat and the tares. Mm-hmm. And just to consider and ask myself the question or ask the question, why does the Lord let the wheat and the tares grow up together? Mm-hmm. It actually blesses the wheat. It's not for the tares' sake. It's for the wheat's sake. And, and he gives the reason. He says, well, if you pulled it up, then you're going to ruin the wheat too, so let it grow up. And, you know, you, you look around, and sometimes we get worried that people around us are, you know, per, to use Jesus' words, tribulation and persecution start to happen. And the Lord's like, it's okay. To, to, the idea that good and bad are going to grow up by one another and look very similar for many of their first years of life, don't be surprised and don't be shocked. And I take I take solace in that that it, it doesn't mean that life is just you know easy or anything. But the Lord's like I, I've already factored that in prior to the second coming, that there is going to be good and there's going to be bad, and that you have to decide: Are you going to be wheat or are you going to be tares? And you're still going to have to grow up right by them, and you're going to have to figure out how do I stay steady and and constant? How do I make sure that I'm good dirt and that I am the wheat? And, and to me, I look at a lot of these parables and. I put myself into them that Jesus is the one who's sowing seeds and planting in fields and that he's gathering the various fish and throwing the leaven out there. And I have to figure out what is my role in the parable? Who who am I and, and what difference does that make? And how do I make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing as I'm applying these to, to me? And I, again, I just take a lot of solace in the fact that the Lord is in control. He's the one planting the seeds, and he's the one who's doing the harvest, and he's the one going to be doing the gathering. And so if we follow him, we're going to raise the world. We're going to be that good leaven. Yeah. And I just, I think it's interesting. You know, we talk about how it's the responsibility in the first parable. It's the responsibility of of each individual to prepare their heart and to prepare the ground. And we talk about removing the stones and pulling out the, the weeds. And, and then the very next parable, it's like, there are some weeds you're not going to get rid of. And so kind of like that that old, I don't know if it's a legend or a myth or what you call it, but but the old prayer, you know, give me the wisdom to control what I can and to not worry about the stuff that I can't. And if, if it if it is something that can be removed from your life, then remove it. If it's one of those things that you look around, you're like, I don't possibly see how I can remove this, then trust the Lord yeah. and know that he'll, he'll figure it out. And you will be better because of it. Yep. When you grow up by the, when the wheat and the tares grow up together, you will be better because of it. Yep. Awesome. Well, let's end on that. Love it.
Have a great time with the week. Uh, don't forget, if you're looking for something maybe for some younger, uh, there's there's a great old seminary video. Do you remember the old Wheat and mm -hmm. Terror? Yeah. There's a great, you can find it on YouTube. We'll put a link in the uh, the description below, but that's always a, a good one, a little 15-minute video that yeah. you can throw up and watch that will walk you through the, the parable of the Wheat and Terrors. So take advantage of that, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Well, thanks again for joining us on Take a Second for Come Follow Me. Brother Black and myself want to emphasize that in this episode or any other episode, there's nothing that we've said that is meant to or can in any way be interpreted as the official doctrine or policy or practice of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Brother Black and myself simply represent two guys that enjoy talking about Scripture and and on our own life experiences as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ and and hope that in sharing some of our thoughts and, and insights, but certainly our personal opinions and nothing more, that uh, maybe it might open up the Scriptures a little bit to you. So thanks again for joining us on Take a Second, and we will see you in our next episode.